What? What did I do? How could you? How could I what? You were making out during Schindler's List? <laughs> What's up and welcome back to another episode of Rotten Potatoes, a podcast where four friends review movies that you absolutely should have seen, but at least one of us hasn't. That's one of the rules, but we never really include that in our tag. We don't talk about it. Yeah. yeah. I'm Tyler. I'm Jake. I'm Zach. I'm Scott. And uh, as you can tell, uh, we are reviewing Seinfeld. Yeah, the whole that, show. The whole show. <laughs> the- I still haven't watched it. So <laughs> really? We're able You've to do it. You've not seen a single episode? Uh, I've, I've gone since, cause I think we've talked about this a couple times now on air that I've right. never watched it. I've gone and watched the pilot and that's it. Oh, oh. the pilot's rough. Yeah. You just need yeah, to skip was, to the second season. I just, that's hard for me to do. Like I like with Seinfeld, it doesn't really matter. Like it's so about nothing. I know, but I'm still such There's like, still a, like some character. Like you get to know the, who the characters are and their tropes. And but in like, see, in, oh, maybe I don't know. They, they just didn't hit their stride until season two. Yeah. And then it's a complete season one show. Really really about nothing in season two has a little bit of something like it's uh, yeah you watch an episode and you're like i don't even know why i watched that like there's no arc in the episode even it's just it just happens then it's done you know well it's just bits put together yeah it's like if you took a bunch of funny like four minute conversations and threw them into an episode there's a little bit of an arc in the first one um like yeah but yeah, it, and there are, there are some arcs in that like they bring in characters, and I like thi- so they have like characters that have like three or four episodes. By the way, I realized we said we were going to talk about Seinfeld, <laughs> and then we jumped into talking about Seinfeld. I know. I, I, we were actually I was paying attention. I'm, okay. I'm paying attention to how long we spend on this before we talk about actually what we're here to talk about. But it's okay. Okay. Yeah. But Zach, definitely jump into season two. It's where it gets really. Good. There's only like six episodes. Yeah, you can like, power like, there's through. not a lot. You yeah, can power through season yeah, one. But thirty minutes with commercials, so they're even yeah, less. they're twenty yeah. minutes. <laughs> Just yeah. like don't let that set the tone for you. For the I rest know, of the show. yeah, you guys have told me. Um, I also watched the first episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh. I did not like the first episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Such a good show, though. I, really, I enjoyed it. Um, and so I don't know which one. I feel like I need to watch Seinfeld first. Oh yeah. Well, they're not that related. Yeah. Oh. I think I'll, I think I'll like Curb. A Curb feels more modern. Yeah, you know, it and is. so uh, well, it's still coming out, right? Yeah, it's it's current. Yeah, well, I've never seen it. Took it. A, it took a long break. Curb Your Enthusiasm, Scott, is Larry David's sh- show about him. Like, so he plays himself, Larry David. Got it. Uh, but it, it, it's a lot like Seinfeld. It's because just, that's what they did. Too. Yeah. It's just a little bit more, uh, it's a little bit more mature. Mm. Yeah. It's on HBO, um, yeah. rather than whatever Seinfeld was on NBC or something. Yeah. Probably. So it's a little, yeah, it's a lot more like, there's uh, no laugh track. No. You know, yeah. That's a bummer. Do you like it's laugh not, tracks? It's, it's my favorite part of the whole episode. Dude. It's definitely yeah. not a sitcom. <laughs> like it's not a sitcom. It is all. tough when I'm watching it. I'm just like, I don't really know when to laugh because there's no laugh. There's no track. laugh. Yeah. Track. yeah. Like, so I laugh at the wrong parts. Yeah. It's yeah. a little awkward. I only laugh when other people are laughing. Yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah. Well, I've never had an original thought. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, speaking of like talking about the laugh track, like what a, what a, what a bonkers insulting thing. That somebody came up with, where like they're just not going to know when to laugh. So oh let's yeah, throw it in there. These you know? idiots, these sheeple. Well, well, I think it was just more well known that they were doing it in front of live audiences, and so it's kind of like that feel of like, oh, the people in the audience were laughing 
at this point. Right. How long did they keep doing shows in front of live audiences though? Some still do. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Uh, I mean, COVID shut a lot of that down, Uh uh, but a lot of sitcoms are still filmed in front of a live studio audience. I had no Mm -hmm. idea. Yeah. I know like everybody's, everybody loves Raymond was a more recent one that was. Yeah. It, uh, it really bothers me though that, uh, big bang theory was right. It has the laugh track, but then they made young Sheldon. And that, and it's single camera, yeah. non, yeah. but it takes place in the same universe. Like that really oh, shot so differently. That really bothers me. Mm. That's fair. Not that I don't even watch either of those shows, but whenever I've seen clips, it really bothers me. Well, <laughs> I, I can't justify us talking uh, about young Sheldon at all, <laughs> <laughs> but I actually can justify talking about Seinfeld. We are talking about Schindler's list today. Uh, and, uh, Steven Spielberg actually uh, has said a bunch of times that he was so depressed during production of this. It was so difficult and taxing that he would spend every night during production watching Seinfeld in order to get some levity. Uh, And so, you know, it's really appropriate that uh, that we had the exact same experience. Uh, I watched this movie like a month ago. Same. Uh, because we were supposed to record this and then Zach didn't get the chance to watch it because he thought maybe we wouldn't get the chance to record it. And so, yeah, I watched it a month ago. So I watched it again last night in order to like, you know. I just left it at a month ago. Yeah, me too. Like speaking of having the same experience as a Seinfeld, Scott and I had the same experience uh, as Jerry did. We watched it together, but we were necking the whole time. You were necking. So I don't really know what happened. You made out during Schindler's List? It'd been a long time since Scott and I were alone again. How could you? And I will say this, Tyler, me and you crushed Bummer Summer. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, we're really in the meat and potatoes of, of Bummer <laughs> Summer right now. I really liked what you said. I was listening to one of our episodes a little bit ago, and you used the words uh, amuse-bouche yeah. to describe <laughs> Bummer Summer for the picks that we have. So, yeah. Yeah, we're stand by it. (laughs) This is our last episode of the year, and uh, we are ending off on uh, undoubtedly one of the most intense movies that you can watch. Not even one of the most bummer movies on this pod, but just one of the most bummer movies altogether. Like, yeah, has ever been created. Like sticking with uh, like World War Two talk. This is this is a nuke for for bummer movies. Oh man, like like Zach was throwing hand grenades. And then you you dropped a nuke on us. We dropped the H bomb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to dive more into it. No, let's I, not. I decided let's, not to. Let's decide not to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in lieu of that, Scott, do you want to hit us with some of the some of the facts? Yeah, I would love to. So this was uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, and it was written by Thomas uh, Kennelly and Steven Zalian. It released February fourth, nineteen ninety four has a runtime of 195 minutes. The other guys gave this a 98% and IMDb gave it an 8.9. It had a box office of 322 million on a budget of 22 million. So pretty good uh, ROI on that one. It won seven total Academy Awards for best picture, best director, best screenplay, best cinematography, set deck, film editing, and original score. And then it lost... uh, five for best actor for Liam Neeson supporting actor. Uh, I didn't write their last name, so I don't know who it was. It had to be Ray fine. Probably. And then uh costume design, sound and makeup. I guess it could have been Ben Kingsley, sir. That's who I sir first went ben to Kingsley, but, but it, I'm, I'm, I, it's gotta be Ray fine. Cause I mean, he was truly despicable in this movie. Yeah. But that's yeah. the facts. Like, I mean, like 
now I know why they cast him as Voldemort. Because of this movie. <laughs> yeah. His name, he's pronounced Rafe Fine. Yeah, Rafe Fine. Uh, in fact, we, uh, we have a little audio clip explaining this, a little educational experience for our listeners, so. He says it as Rafe, Rafe, and then his last name is not Fiends, but rather Fines. That is, uh, what, like eight seconds pulled from like a 10 minute video <laughs> <laughs> explaining how to pronounce Rafe Fines. Rafe Fines. We just call him Voldemort. We call him Voldemort around here. Yeah. I mean, I've been saying his name incorrectly <laughs> around here forever. You know, uh, Ralph. I, I've called him Ralph Finess. <laughs> Ralph. That sounds about right. Yeah. I always call him Thomas Riddle. <laughs> Does that really piss him off? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thomas. Because <laughs> I don't even think his name is Thomas. I think it's just it's Tom just Riddle. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> him and danny are just like oh, scott always does this yeah they always say <laughs> my name wrong jeez uh <laughs> you're, just, you're just hanging out with thomas and danny boy yeah. thomas riddle just the most evil wizard yeah and then dan Aykroyd. <laughs> sometimes we hang out in the wizarding world of harry potter sometimes yeah. we don't i like at universal studios yeah. <laughs> yeah i'd love that podcast more than this. More than this, yeah. yeah. The character of Voldemort and then Danny Aykroyd. Yeah, and you. And you. No, the character of Tom Riddle. Oh, sorry. Yes, yes. So this is pre-Voldemort. Pre-Voldemort. Yeah, Pre-Voldemort. Pre-fall. Yeah, this this is this is Scott talking to a high school kid. Got it. Yeah. And Danny Aykroyd. Has, yeah. he, has he opened the chamber yet? Just so I understand. Yeah, probably. Okay. Post-chamber, pre-like horror crux. Where, where is like, Danny Aykroyd in his timeline? Old. Ghostbusters. Is, is he's now. current? Oh, he's now. So it's current, he's current old. Current Danny Aykroyd. But then, uh, like, like it, so it, it's pre-Harry stabbing the journal. So he's talking to, like, the journal uh, yes. narration no, I, of Tom. I think so it's, it's the, the journal on the it's podcast. It's the journal on the podcast. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> so I have to read what it's saying. You have to write no, to the journal yeah. and then read what it says yeah. back to yeah. you. Yeah. It, well, yeah, that's what it is. Is Scott is like, oh, hey guys, I found this cool journal, and he has no idea what it is. Well, no, it's actually Scott lets the journal like leech enough of his humanity so that Tom like manifests uh, manifests. But then just to record, and then you then like, pull it back. oh, but stab then, it with a basilisk. Yeah, yeah just but, enough uh, to kill it a little bit, but it's still alive. Thought it was a ghost. That's why he brought Danny along. I'm glad I just. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for our for our listeners i just fist bumped jake for that joke i think that was the first time jake's ever got a fist bump for a joke so i hope our listeners uh know all of the harry potter references that just happened i mean this is sure they do this is a podcast about movies you absolutely should have seen so yeah also i mean harry potter took the world by storm for a little while there i feel like i feel like people will know i didn't watch harry potter until all of them were out you didn't watch Harry Potter until like three years ago. No, it was like 20, it was 2014, 2015. Okay. No, because yeah, I was, it was when we were, we watched it on the big screens at church. Yeah. I graduated high school in 2014. That's crazy. So you were watching this and you're just like, Tom, you, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're Voldemort? Had, I had been friends with him for since as long as I ever can since you found the journal yeah in, back in the 30s so yeah. <laughs> like to Scott it was like finding out that Darth Vader was Anakin you know yeah pretty yeah. shocking yeah. yeah like everybody else knew it the whole time yeah mm-hmm. hmm. it was it was actually pretty troubling for our friendship <laughs> you're still friends with Voldemort yeah no Thomas 
But uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Before he died, I, I got him another Horcrux. Oh, <laughs> you got it's it's Onyx Scott's dog. <laughs> he's a yeah, Horcrux. He's a Horcrux, and he speaks through the dog. Mm. I believe it. Yeah, your I, dog. I think Jake. I think we need to kill Onyx. <laughs> I've wanted to do that for years. <laughs> now I know time. why. Yeah. Now you have incentive. True incentive. All right. Like, we, like yeah, we should slowly, probably get back on track. Slowly uh, <laughs> shrinking. Yeah, the, the boys, uh, we are in a, a trailer. We've hit the road. We're taking this podcast to the likes of Menifee, California. Mm-hmm. On tour, but just for one episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we're also, it's not like a live show. We're just in a trailer. Yeah. Just for our final episode of yeah. the season. Mm-hmm. This is my movie trailer. Oh, you watch movies on that tiny 20-inch well, TV? Technically, it's Danny's old trailer. He gave it to me. Oh. This yeah. is where Danny hung out during the filming of Ghostbusters? This is his Ghostbusters trailer. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Well, uh, we are actually going to talk about Schindler's List. So. About thir- 13 minutes in. <laughs> We're getting there. So uh, I nominated this movie because, uh, mostly because uh, Jake really didn't want uh, us to do it for the pod. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I'm going to throw you under the bus a little I bit. Stand by that. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think the reason that we haven't talked about Schindler's list for 13 and a half minutes is because, uh, it's, it, it did a pretty good job of saying what it had to say, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, but I, I had seen this movie, uh, once before watching it for the pod. Uh, and it was maybe like, it wasn't that long ago. It was maybe like 2017. Mm. Um, and you know, it had been, uh, no, it was probably earlier than that, actually, maybe 2014. Uh, and I, you know, had gone my whole life knowing about Schindler's list, you know, the movie that it existed, but not really knowing what the movie was really about. Uh, and so I decided, you know what, like, I just need to do this. I sat down on like a Saturday morning, watched this movie and then just did nothing with the rest of my day. Like I, it, it's, I spent a few hours thinking about it. And then I think I probably spent the rest of the day watching other like historic things about the Holocaust to like, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm pot committed at this point. I thought you were going to say Seinfeld. Yeah. I spent the rest of the time watching Seinfeld to feel better things about Seinfeld. Yeah. To feel better about it. Um, but I mean the, uh, the Holocaust is one of those things where like, I think in light of events when this was coming out, like Spielberg talked about when he made this movie that like he wanted to really make it because there was a lot of in the early nineties, a lot of like a rise of neo-Nazism and anti-Semitism, and felt like it was a really like appropriate time to make the film. Uh, And I don't know. I feel like in a lot of our culture today, we're like, I think like, culture is cyclic and I think we're experiencing a lot of that right now. And it seemed like a, a good time to remind folks on the pod that, uh, that this movie exists and it's a really valuable experience to, to watch. And it's a really powerful story. And that Nazis are bad. And it's a good reminder that Nazis are bad. It really is. In case anyone out there is debating it. In case, <laughs> uh, I mean, if you live in Malaysia and Egypt, you might, you might feel that way. That's right. You might. Uh, in Malaysia, Egypt, Indonesia. You might uh, feel the opposite of that. Yeah, you might feel that Nazis aren't that bad. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, you want to tell us why you said that? 
Well, Tyler, I think, was about to. Oh. Yeah, and then you... Yeah, you cut in. Cut in. I do that sometimes. Uh, It's okay. You weren't looking at me, so I get it. So you didn't see him holding up all of his fingers while he's listening up the country. And, and, you know, you have your headphones on, can hear my voice literally in your ears, but it's fine. No, I didn't. (laughs) Uh, But those countries actually banned Schindler's List because they said that it was too favorable uh, or it wasn't favorable enough. It was it was unfair to Nazis and too favorable to Jews. Mm. Just a maybe the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life that somebody was like, man, that's not fair to the Nazis. Oh, it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think what the Nazis did was fair to the Jews <laughs> or any other people that they, yeah. Yeah. you know, not to, not to like disenfranchise, uh, the, uh, the 6 million Jews that were killed during the Holocaust, but they also killed a lot of other people. Yeah. Like, yeah. Was that um, 11 million total? Yeah. It was literally anyone who wasn't white and German. Like, <laughs> Yeah, uh, but anyway, so that's why I nominated this film. Who were the late bloomers to this? I can't remember. I, I was had. a late bloomer. Yeah, I hadn't seen it either. Zach, Zach, had you seen this? Yeah, I had seen it. Yeah. All right. So Zach, what uh, went like? When did you first see this? And did what did you think the second time? Um, I I don't remember the first time I watched it. It was quite a while ago. I was I was kind of young, not like a child, but I was kind of young to watch it. And and watching it this time, looking back, I don't. I don't think I had the like emotional maturity to like truly engage with this movie um, because I didn't really remember how I felt about it rather than like I thought it was really sad and I thought that it was like kind of boring. So like I honestly looking back, I, I don't think that I like let myself really engage with this movie. Um, and so watching it this time, it aspects of it kind of felt like I was watching it for the first time. Uh, I think this is the best movie I've ever seen that I like don't enjoy watching you know um that being said i thought it was an incredible movie um i i thought it was that was great i thought every aspect of it was was pretty much perfect um i kept thinking like i can't believe that the guy who made et right. in, indiana jones is making this you know and, and that it's just so like mature and and done so intentionally and respectfully um and made Jurassic Park the same year. Yeah, the was same year. In the middle of making Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah when essentially. He was working on this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean it it's still kind of a dry movie. Like I remember kind of like having that thought like it this is this is dry and uh, cuz I I kept kind of comparing it not necessarily in terms like I don't think they're similar movies, but it, you know, similar subject matter and same director to Saving Private Ryan. Oh yeah. And aspects of Saving Private Ryan, like there's there's moments in Saving Private Ryan that feel like you're watching a movie, you know, maybe like monologues that are a little soapy, a little like overdramatic for the sense of like kind of pounding home a scene. And this movie doesn't really have any of that, you know, uh, and, and I think that that's good. I don't think that this movie needed that or that it would have even felt appropriate. Um, but it's it's still just a dry movie and it's either kind of i don't know that and then you're just miserable because Mm. there's just a lot of really miserable scenes and so it felt like like i think halfway through i just felt exhausted and drained and then i'd pause and just be like oh my gosh i still have an hour and 45 minutes left of this movie (laughs) to the point where like i think at one point i texted jake and i'm just like why are we doing this movie like this is miserable 
Uh, and then you get to the very end and then it finally feels like a release, you know, yeah. like I think the last 20 minutes or so of this movie is some of the like most beautiful moving movie I've ever seen, you know? And so looking back, like, like having finished it, it feels like you're holding your breath for like three hours and then you can finally breathe the last 15 minutes of the movie, you know? Um, so all that being said, I think it's an incredible movie. I think I am glad that we're doing it. I'm going to be happy when we've done it and it's done. Uh, but uh, if we're doing a, a podcast about movies, this is one of the best. I think this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. You know, I thought it was amazing. Scott, what uh, would you think? You were a, you were a late bloomer to this. Yeah, I was a late bloomer. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, I agree with pretty much everything Zach said, except I wasn't as like, why are we watching this about it? I, I was engaged with it the whole time uh, through all three hours. And, and not to clarify, like, why, like, I don't think this deserves it on the pod. It was more so just like, oh, my gosh, why are we subjecting ourselves to this? And why are we, like, what are we going to talk about? You know, like, this is just not going to be a fun experience for anyone. But, I mean, I, I was deep in the throes of the movie, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, and now being on the other side of it, like, I'm glad we're doing it. Yeah, it was, and it was actually less of a bummer than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I was expecting everyone to die. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the expectation I went in. Cause I'm like, I know what happens in the Holocaust. Yeah. You didn't know this story. You no. knew the Holocaust, yeah. but not this particular story. Of it. Yeah. And so like it, it actually was like a little bit of a uh, spin for me when they get to Auschwitz and I'm like, okay, this is where they're all going to die now because of this one mistake. Right. And then he's able to save them and bring them back. I was like, Oh, this took a very positive turn that I was not expecting. <laughs> I was at, at that point ready. For, they're all in that like shower scene, right? It, this is it. And it's like, okay, I've heard the stories. I know this isn't a real shower. This is either going to be like an acid shower or it's going to come in with yeah. poison gas or something. And it's just a real shower. And I had forgotten all of that. There was a lot about this movie, like the, the plot that I had really forgotten. Yeah. I forgot that it ended like on a, I don't want to say happy note, but hopeful note, you yeah. know, like I completely forgot about all of that. And so I was kind of with you. Mm -hmm. It was just like, oh, this is, I can't believe this is happening, you mm -hmm. know? And then, and then, you know, there's yeah. that little bit of a twist. I, I was getting ready to like grimace. Yeah. Same. <laughs> like in that, I'm like, oh gosh, like your, your, your body is, was tensing yeah, up. I'm yeah. like, this is about to be the, one of the worst ex movie watching experiences of my life. Did you guys, in a good way, you like, and Tyler, did you guys like, watch this together? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not last night, but four or four weeks. Ago, I've only watched five this weeks alone ago. now, by the way, I watched this last night, um, which I'm happy I, I did. Saw. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you saw it? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because you watched it I too. watched it too. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I need to go watch Schindler's List again. And Tyler uh, and I share an Apple account. So yeah, we share an Apple account. And so I, I like went on my Apple TV and saw that it was like 10 minutes in. And I was like, oh, we're literally going to watch this movie at the same time now. So. Can I just say that that's very generous wording to yourself when you say that Tyler and I share an Apple account. <laughs> it's not that Tyler shares movies that he's bought for the last 20 years with you. <laughs> that Z is true. Zach, but you're not contributing. Zach occasionally buys a movie and Venmo's me. Okay. Yeah, I contri I've contributed like 5%. <laughs> he's contributed that's way more than five percent is so much when you think about how many movies tyler has yeah, like you like, could it's like you're scrolling through netflix you're like okay i've been scrolling for 10 minutes i'm at k i don't yeah, think you've contributed 40 5%. movies have Less. you bought 40 movies 
Oh, he's over eight hundred. No, I'm sorry. No, Tyler's over eight hundred movies. Eight hundred? I have over eight hundred. That's I'm, insane. I just I didn't realize it was that much. I'm at eight fifty. I think on when I, I moved in with Tyler a little bit over three years ago, it was at he was just cresting the six hundred. So yeah. in the last three oh years, gosh. he's bought over two hundred. movies. Then it's much less than that. <laughs> that's far too generous yeah, of myself. Would, yeah. I was just, I was like, man, that's odd, odd phrasing. I would have said Tyler graciously <laughs> gives me his Apple account. Our benevolent <laughs> Apple King. Yeah. <laughs> movie, movie King. Oh, movie King. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so we, we, Zach and I, uh, you know, what, like 50, 40 miles apart, watch this yeah. movie together. Yeah. And Scott and I watched this movie together five feet apart. You guys should have FaceTimed while you were doing it. Oh, that's a thing now. Uh, do like a watch party yeah but with but with facetime you can like facetime and like watch a movie at the same time like picture in picture yeah a lot of a lot of things are offering that as like a like send a code and then you guys will start together like i think that there's actually netflix doesn't do it but there's like a chrome extension you can download for netflix and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but with apple they build in facetime and apple message so if, if we're watching a movie together on apple tv we can like text message and it shows up on the screen Oh, okay. Weird. Like, oh, we need to start doing that. Yeah, I'm down to do it for future movies. I'm yeah. happy we did not for this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, it would not be. It would. You, this movie requires attention. Yep. Jake, what was uh, you were also a late bloomer? Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with whatever. But like, it, it was much more hopeful than I thought it would be. Like, I knew what the movie. I guess I didn't know what the movie was about. You know. Yeah. And I think it, <laughs> this is really embarrassing for me to admit, but up until maybe halfway through, I didn't know that it was a true story. I thought that it was like, I thought it was just like a fictional story. And then I was watching it with my girlfriend and she said something. I was like, wait, did this happen? Oh Uh, yeah. Which I was was like, that's nuts. Um, But I mean, I did, I think it was a great movie uh, and I, I finished it. And like, if it didn't end on a hopeful note, I honestly might've not showed up to record this today. Like I just like, (laughs) I, I watched it and I was like, I don't like, it was incredible. And I don't feel like there's anything I can add to this in, in like like any sort of way like i can't i don't really talk about like movies in the way they're made like you or zach can like you're like oh you know the direction and the framing and whatever it is that you guys talk about i forget after you guys say it if i'm honest uh so i i finished it and i was like i don't know what i'm gonna say i'm, I'm gonna show up and we're gonna talk about it and i'm gonna say it was good like and i absolutely think it's a movie if you haven't seen it go watch it um and i'm not it's not like oh i want to watch it and forget about it but it's like i want to watch it and never watch it. Again. I don't, yeah, I don't want to watch it again. I don't, I don't really feel like talking about it. Like I finished it at like 11 PM Yeah, and I had work the next day, but I just kind of laid down on my floor <laughs> and, and I was just like, okay, let me think about this for an hour. Sad you know? in the sadness. Yeah. For like an hour. And then I went to bed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was my experience. Like, I think it was incredible. Go watch it. If you haven't like, no, I, I, I think that's valid. And, and to be fair, like I want to, because I've like, contributed to roasting you in the group text about whether or not we do this movie plenty. And I want to give you credit. I was a little nervous about like, okay, we're going to do this and it could go very badly. Like I was, I, I really thought like this could go very badly. Not only that, but there was at one point talk of making this a live episode. <laughs> no, yeah. I was never into that. I think that was Scott's Scott idea. I was like, let's do it on Twitch. Let's yeah. talk about it live. No. And, and I was not into that. Um, but it, the, the reality is, is like, yeah, it's definitely a movie you should do. 
and I all admit a little bit of like, um, I'll admit a little bit of, I, I think that it's important for, I think it's important for us to use mediums to like influence people. And I'll admit some sort of like, like, uh, like agenda in nominating this film, because I really do want people to watch this film. I think it's important. And if we can use our like, funny sometimes movie review podcast and and sometimes critical movie review podcast to like point people to this i think that that's like a good use of like whatever like lack of a platform we have i think if there's any platform like it there are important times to like point people toward something something real and important and uh, so i'll admit some some uh, agenda there uh but that being said I actually, in watching it again, I was like, oh, no, I, I actually think this is going to make for at least, like, an episode. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think we have something to talk about here. Yeah, I don't know. I finished it. I watched it with my girlfriend, and then I said something like, um, I, I was thinking when we were talking about it, and I was like, man, like, that said what it had to say way better than anything I could ever say. So it's just like, why, why am I going to say anything about it, you know? Yeah, I, I get that. I get that feeling. Um, yeah, I, I, but I think part of it too is like even just reiterating some of those things and like talking about what was like impactful or like meaningful to you is important too. Like, I think it brings even more value with it being like a real story. Like this guy really existed and he really did save all those people and then was hunted as a Nazi afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, it and, was. Oh, sorry. Oh, no. I was just going to say, I think it also, like, there's this concept of social proof that, like, we use a lot in, like, marketing, where it's like, if I can, if I can show you, like, people's testimonials, that social proof is going to be, like, more convincing for you to buy my product than me talking about my product. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think that that's even what, like, Steven Spielberg did with in creating this movie, because the writer had written a book about Schindler. Uh, and like has like a wing in a museum in Australia, like about Schindler. Um, but Spielberg in making this movie is like creating social proof essentially that he's like, Hey, look, like I think this is a powerful story. And so I'm going to like contribute to telling that story. And I think that we all in our lives have more impact on people in our lives than uh, Steven Spielberg does. You know what I mean? And so uh-huh. it's like a like an ongoing cycle of, of social proof. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say, like, before I had realized that this was a true story, like, parts of it didn't, like, like his transition, Schindler's transition from, like, war profiteer to, like, savior, it, it didn't make sense to me. I was like, this yeah. feels so sudden, and I don't know what changed his heart. You know, and then I think that was why it came up. I was like, this doesn't make sense. And this happened. And I was like, this happened. So I I mean, I guess it must have made sense because it did happen. Right, right. Maybe it's just we don't know everything that happened. So that's a super interesting one. I was watching this last night. It was one of the questions that I wanted to ask you guys. When did you feel like you saw that change happen for him? I don't know if I would say I felt... I mean, I think on screen, there's like a point where he's more like uh, overtly doing it. Yeah. But I think it was in his mind the whole time. I think he's like when he's doing his thing, like he's playing his part to do what he needs to do so that he can have the position to accomplish what he's trying to do. 
Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think that he was profiteering off the war and like doing. I mean, what, he was for like, sure. And I like I don't think that protecting people was in his mind until much later, and then he genuinely started protecting people. But like. I, I don't think like from the beginning of the movie, like from the beginning of the movie, he was a Nazi and he was a Nazi because it was convenient for mm-hmm. him to make money, you know? And like, I, I, but I think he was genuinely a Nazi, you know? Yeah. I'm not saying he was necessarily like in the beginning of the movie, like directly trying to affect that. But I think it was in his mind, even at that point of like what he could do. Yeah. Maybe more so just not really agreeing with the pervasive politic, but like n- not, not trying to he wasn't creating an underground railroad from the beginning but he mm-hmm. was like yeah i don't i don't really care about the the politics of this like mm-hmm. you know but i'll use them yeah and i i mean i i think he's like a little bit of a chame- chameleon like he's mm. gonna be what he needs to be to accomplish his agenda and i think the number one priority in his agenda has shifted but i wouldn't say new things were added to the agenda mm. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think for me, the 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 moment that uh, like it was super obvious for me that like something fl- like switched in him was the scene with uh, the girl in the the little girl in the red coat. Mm. It's, yeah, sorry, it's been a month since I watched it. So so yeah, so the the uh, ghetto is being liquidated and they're being moved to the work camp and there's the the little girl like running through the street wearing a red coat and he's like sitting on a hill on horseback like because he didn't know that this was going to be happening that they were going to be rounded up and he's watching this little girl in this red coat like her parents are obviously gone Uh and like she's just wandering around and it's the only color we see yeah and it's like a it's one of the most violent scenes in the movie and there's this girl in this in this little girl in this red coat because it's afterward it's it's not long after that that he's even like to uh ishtak who's now in the the prison camp he's like defending Amon to him he's like war brings out the worst in people and like you know if, if the war wasn't happening he he'd probably be you know a good guy we'd only see the best parts of him and like and ishtak is like no this man this man is evil he loves murdering people uh-huh. and like uh like schindler like is almost like rebelling against that idea and saying like look like you know this will all blow over but still in that moment because he got the what drove that conversation was the woman that came to his office and said save my parents i've heard your factory is a haven and he gets really mad like mm-hmm. what the hell you know like don't don't this is dangerous for me don't tell like why is I can't live if this if is this rumor the, gets if out, this rumor I'll gets get out. Down, yeah. Um, but he still like gives Ishtak their names to like uh-huh. bring them over to the, to the factory. Yeah. I, I think that that is when I was watching it, I was like, okay, this, this seems to be the point, like, like the turning point. But at first I was like, is he going to be a good guy? Like who is Schindler? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. No. Like in the, in their first meeting, Ishtak and, and Schindler's first meeting, it's I agree with you, Jake. I think he's definitely profiteering. I think he's just I think he is looking at this as like a win-win scenario. Like I'm going to make a fortune and like the easiest way for me to do that is to 
exploit these Jews who can't own businesses. I can get their investment money. And yeah, they'll win because they're going to get something out of it too, but I'm, I'm going to get filthy rich. Cause he tells his wife, uh, like when she comes into town for like a day or whatever, yeah, she tells his wife, like, uh, they're going to remember me forever because I did so much. But then he says like, when I leave this place, I'm going to have, uh, one like trunk, no two trunks full of money. Uh, -huh. you know, like it, it, he's definitely, I think early on, like more driven uh -huh. by money than by like any sense of like nobility or anything like that. I think it's powerful too. Cause then by the end of the movie, like he has the new manufacturing plant and he spends all the wealth he built up to make sure that they don't provide any more weapons to the Germans. Oh yeah. By the end, he is truly like a, uh, a noble hero. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then like that that's that scene at the end is probably like the most move where he's like, What how many lives could I have bought for this and this and this? Right. Like, oh this my gosh. Um and then you really feel for him, obviously. But like there was like a point in the middle where I was like, I don't know. I, I still don't I still don't know if I know what your motivations are and if I trust you. Yeah. Yeah, that that like ending scene, uh, or the last scene that we see of, of Schindler uh -huh. the in uh, you know, when they're like, now the Jews are trying to get him out to save mm -hmm. him. Yeah. Like, uh, that that's, I mean, I have goosebumps right now and it's not just cause the air conditioner is hitting me. <laughs> uh, that scene I've now watched this three times. It makes me cry every time. Like that's the point in the movie that I get really emotional. Like that is truly one of the most beautiful scenes in a movie I've ever seen. I almost started crying thinking about that scene driving over here today. Like, I, I was thinking to myself, I I can't think of a more powerful scene in any film. Yeah. I think than that scene. I'm yeah. not saying that this scene wasn't powerful, but... It no, might be, I'm, oh, not, I'm oh. not trying to argue. I'm just kind of oh, adding, no. like, I, I, I think it's an incredible scene, and I think it is... Yeah, uh, I was just going to ask, uh, am I the only one who's never cried at a movie here? You've never cried at a movie? No, I've never cried at a, any work of fiction, I think, ever. I cry in books all the time. I shed one tear when Lord of the Rings was over. <laughs> was that because it, it was over, not because of the story? <laughs> yeah. No, I was. I was really. It was at the. It was at the end of the book, uh, and then and then Gimli says something like they all part, and then he's like, "I fear that this is the last time we'll all ever be together." And then and then I shed one tear, and that's one the only time. single tear. Yeah. No, I've <laughs> I've like wept into books before. Oh, usually you ruin the pages. Yes. Yeah. I've never. <laughs> I I remember we were watching uh, the Rise of Skywalker together. Yeah. And, and that cried. was just a terrible movie. Oh. And I was sitting next to Tyler, and he's bawling. And I'm like, dude, this movie sucks. You <laughs> cried in Rise of Skywalker? It did suck, but yes, I did. At which he part? He cried a lot. <laughs> several times. Really? Yeah. It was just such a, uh, it was, I think it was like, because of how much they bastardized the, <laughs> yes. the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. It was negative tears, <laughs> not positive tears. Yeah. JJY. No, uh, I, I don't remember exactly. I think I cried when Leia died. Leia died. Did she die in this movie or that? She died in three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, she died did. in real life. She died in real life in, but it was well, during Rise of, uh, during Last Jedi. I yeah, can't remember. Correct. Did they did they show like was she they even showed, in Rise? They showed yeah. her. They she was yeah in the she bed. was in it, and because she that was a big part of it is that she had like like 
fallen ill or something. That's like when she flies through space. Right? No, no, no. That was that's in episode in eight. Episode eight. Okay. In episode nine, she was training Ray, and she was like still the leader of the resistance. And then something happens. She like she, falls ill, or she, she gets used injured. like the last of her like energy to project Harrison Ford's character to talk to Kylo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but she was she was ill before that. Like she was laid up in bed for some reason and i cried when her uh when the the sheet sank and she became a force ghost uh i cried during that for sure i think i probably cried i, I cried at, at several points i i'm such an empathetic person that like not only do i like feel other people's feelings i feel characters feelings like it i i I love it about myself, but it is, it's definitely unique. I mean, I am probably not even close to where you guys are on that, but I've definitely cried during movies. Oh, sure. What, like what's gotten you? Uh, <laughs> did you cry when this? Uh, I Schindler's didn't, list? I didn't cry. During no, Schindler's yeah, list, really? but I, I got close. Like there I cried multiple end. times. I got Schindler's emotional. Yeah. Like I got choked up, but I didn't, I wasn't even, I don't even think I was close. I to crying. cried at that scene. Yeah. And then I cried at the red coat scene as well. Oh, you yeah. know, like, yeah, I, uh, I cry a lot and stuff too. I'm going to guess a, I'm going to guess a scene that you've cried in independence in day. No resurgence. <laughs> it's no did uh, you, iron man. <laughs> no. Did you? Oh yeah. You iron cried man during end game. Didn't you? Um, I actually, yeah, I think I did when Iron Man died. Yeah. Wow. I cried. I didn't think I noticed that. I think it was next to you. I cried. I don't, I'm not a loud crier. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not like a weeper and like I'll shed some, like my eyes well up and some tears come out and that's it. I cried last month rewatching Endgame on my iPad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I was going to guess, did you cry during I am legend when he kills the dog? Mm-hmm. Oh man. That, that scene destroys me. Uh, anyway, let's, uh, I, I wanted to get your guys take on a, on a couple aspects of this movie. Um, one of the things was John Williams score. Uh, so it was mostly understated throughout, but like the, there's like a piece of trivia that we read that blew my mind. Uh, cause I thought he did a good job. I thought it was a good score. Um, but, uh, John Williams, when Steven Spielberg first approached him, uh, and he showed him a cut of the film, uh, John Williams like had to like walk out of the room. He was so moved by the, the movie, uh, and he had to like compose himself and he walked back in and he told Steven Spielberg, I think, I think you deserve a better composer than me for this. And Steven Spielberg said, I know, but they're all dead. That's like, I mean, that's such a mean thing to say, first of all. <laughs> but it's so crazy when you think about how Amazing prolific John, John Williams, Williams is. is. Like, yeah. Every instantly recognizable score from the last 40 years, probably, is John Williams, I feel like. It's John Williams or Hans Zimmer. Yeah, like, it's yeah. one of those two. And it's just, it's crazy that he was like, yeah, you're, everybody, uh, like, you're, like, I, yeah, I, I'm losing my, my words because I think it's such a crazy thing to say. It sounds like such a Hitchcock thing. Like, I feel like yeah. Hitchcock would have said that, you know. <laughs> it really is. It's such a jerk thing to say. Uh, and especially for them being such friends. Like, John Williams always works on Steven yeah. Spielberg's movies. All those yeah. same things were Spielberg movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But like, wh I, what did you guys think? Like, cause you know, after reading that, I spent some time thinking about it and like, I thought it was great. I thought it was pretty understated. Like it wasn't, yeah. but I think it needed to be. Yeah. I think it was under, cause like 
thinking, trying to reflect on it right now. Granted, it was over a month ago. I couldn't pick out any music from my retelling or rethinking through. But I mean, it played to tone then very well. It, it, for me, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, if you don't notice it, it's, it's great. probably great. Yeah, I don't know that I agree. I think it. I think it's very situational. Where like in a movie like this, I think that that's right. Where it's like very like real feeling. But like in movies like for instance, Harry Potter, which John Williams did. Like, I think you should notice it and it should feel a little bit like mystical and magical. And like, or, so like, I think yeah. that's a good thing. Or there. like in Lord of the Rings, when it's very like geographical, like, yeah. like different, like parts of, uh, of the world, like different regions of the world have their own like theme. Yeah. I and definitely it's think very, it's movie to movie and depends on what the tone of the movie is. But for this, like, yeah. it did feel very appropriate. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't even have a thought of the, of the score until the ending credits. But I think the it, it was, but I think it was a melody that we had heard prior, like mm-hmm. during the film. And yeah. I remember thinking like, oh, this does have really good music. Um, but it, it, it didn't, I, I didn't notice it until the ending credits. Mm. So the, uh, I'm trying to go back and look what his name was, but yeah, that violin, uh, like piece of like the, the, it is like like all scores, like there's a recurring theme that yeah. like happens like multiple times throughout. Um, but at the end it's like, I, I think just, just the violin solo during that last scene where they're laying the stones on his grave. Uh, and the, uh, the violinist, uh, Ishtak Perlman performs John Williams haunting score. Uh, and Perlman uh, said that his contribution to the film uh, was one of the proudest moments in his illustrious career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought it was really good. Like, I thought John Williams did a great job. Yeah, yeah, but what if some dead guy did it instead? <laughs> Would have been better. Okay. Do you know what's weird, yeah. guys? Is as I think about the movie and recall it in my mind, I see it in color. Really? That is yeah. weird. That's, that is weird. Yeah. Huh. Like every scene, I see it in color. What do you guys think of it being in black and white? I think that um, it might have been like I feel like the black and white makes it a little bit easier to detach yourself a, a little bit, and it, maybe it would have been a bit too visceral if it was in color. Um, you know, just, if that makes sense. Like, like it would have been. I think it would have been harder to get through, and I would have been a, like more upset watching it. Yeah, I. I, I yeah I think that's a good point um and that may have been true I I didn't have that thought I remember kind of thinking like this almost feels more grim that it's mm-hmm. that it's in black and white and right. it almost felt more like it, it didn't really feel like I was watching a movie like it kind of felt like I was watching almost like a like a um, documentary uh-huh. a little bit yeah it definitely had that that feel to me too but it felt like harder to like uh attach i i guess and maybe that's intentional because maybe it would have been too visceral um but i i it 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 created a mood within me that it just felt even more grim and bleak Mm. in in an effective way yeah like i i think that it was good for doing that yeah i would say this is one of the few films where i think it's better having been black and white i agree are there that's interesting are there movies you think are worse for being black and white i mean as i look at like virtually any other 
black and white movie, I w- think this would have been more enjoyable. Oh, like older, color. like before yeah. Technicolor was yeah. even like, yeah. that, I see what you that's mean. tough because like, I think like color, like early color movies can look a little bit weird and like washed out and like the colors don't look quite right into the point where like, I like watching any, do you guys watch any Griffith? At yeah, all. yeah. No. So I mean, I've, yeah. it was in black and white for years, not on purpose. <laughs> yeah, it was in black and white for years, and then like toward the last couple seasons were in color, and I hate watching it. Like it just like the colors look bad to me. Where like I just rather not have them. Yeah, when I'm saying like in color, I'm thinking like today's in color, not right when color first not got created. color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I I agree. I think this is super striking in black and white. Um, I don't know that I loved, uh, I, I get it. I don't know that I loved Spielberg's decision to have the red jacket be in color or the beginning, like the, the prayer sequence around the table, around Mm. the candles be in color. I think I kind of wish the whole thing was black and white, like commit to it a little bit. You know what I mean? Well, I understand what he was doing in the beginning though. Cause it was like different time periods. Right. Right. It's, it's prosperity into, yeah. uh, I, Oh, sorry. I was going to say, didn't, didn't you say, um, as we were kind of talking about some of the research that you did, that the red coat scene was inspired by a true story? Yeah, and I didn't do, I wish that I had done more research on this, but Audrey Hepburn actually told a story to Steven Spielberg while they were filming another project uh, that Audrey Hepburn was in. And she had told Spielberg about uh, this experience that she had watching a similarly dressed little girl while other people were being loaded onto trains during World War II. And it really caught me off guard. I I didn't look into this, but apparently Audrey Hepburn was like around the Holocaust uh, Mm -hmm. at some point. Mm -hmm. And like that, like was very shocking to me. I, I I was like, I, I had just assumed that the Hepburns had just been Americans, you know, but, Mm -hmm. but I guess weren't. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, and that, someone can like totally feel free to at me for like what an idiot I am that like maybe Audrey Hepburn obviously has an accent that I never picked up on or something like that. But I don't think I've seen a single Audrey Hepburn movie, so I have no idea. Um, but I think I actually disagree with uh, like the take. Yeah, Spielberg's well uh, regarding the bits of color. Yeah, um, I really liked that. Mm. I really liked. Uh, I don't know if I have a super like hard opinion on the use of color with the prayer with the candles and yeah. whatnot, but I loved it for the red coat scene. I think specifically because I just thought that those scenes were beautiful. Yeah. I love like when, when she's running through the chaos and even in moments where I think it was even more effective when she's out of focus. Yeah. And some of the other atrocities that were seen are in focus, but you still see that red running. Yeah. And it felt like, humanity like it felt like look there's like this there's there's a human girl running through here and oscar seeing it and i think you're right that that's like one of the first times where like oscar wakes up to like what's going on around him and then a little bit later you see that red coat and she's dead yeah and it's kind of like oh damn there it is you know like yeah. there she is and and oscar sees it you know and it kind of like shows us like Oscar realizes that's that girl. You yeah. Know? Um, I think it, I think that those are just beautifully shot scenes. 
Um, and it really had an effect on me. And I, I love it. I really love his decision to include that. I, I do agree that you really probably couldn't have had the scene, those two scenes without that. I agree. Um, because it almost does give us, maybe I'm walking back on my own opinion. It almost does give us like a, a look into his eyes because it's something that he specifically yeah. notices mm-hmm. like that, that is like seared into his memory so that he notices it again later. And we're able to ourselves make the connection that he made without dialogue, which is, I think good filmmaking. So, um, so have, maybe I will have a little Audrey Hepburn. Oh, just thank God. The facts. Thank God. Uh, so she was born 1929 in Belgium. So she was 10 when World War II started. Wow. And uh, she became kind of like a prolific ballerina and would put on shows and helped raise funds to donate towards the um, Dutch resistance during World War II oh. that helped house Jews. Wow. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. That's crazy. And she actually was raised in a pro-fascist family that halfway through the war changed because they saw what the Germans were doing. Wow. 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 I mean, that's... That sounds like an amazing film. Yeah. yeah, like I, yeah. I'd love to see that I want to see that film too. Yeah. 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 Where's the Audrey Hepburn story, you uh-huh. know? What That's um, cool. I'm glad mi- that you looked that up though. Yeah. Mi- miss me with Amy. Like I want to, I want to see Audrey. Yeah. So I, I was going to, I was going to shift gears a little bit and ask like, what did you guys think of Liam Neeson? Because when I heard Liam Neeson was the star of this movie, I was nervous. I was like, I'm not gonna be able to take him seriously. <laughs> I don't really like Liam Neeson very much, you know? Uh, and when I think of Liam Neeson, I think of like, you know, Taken or the A-Team remake. What about Qui-Gon Jinn? It's true. Qui-Gon Jinn. Or uh, the Clash of the Titans remake. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think about. <laughs> when you he know. Zeus poorly. Like, wasn't he in Les Mis? Well, I haven't I, seen Les Mis. Oh, yeah. No, the older one. The older one. Not the, the Hugh Jackman. Yeah. 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 Oh, I haven't seen uh, either. Yeah, I think he is. I don't remember anyone's name. But he's Hugh Jackman's character. I believe he is. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I was nervous and I think I was pleasantly surprised. Like I was worried that he was going to suck, honestly, because <laughs> I, I had no idea that Liam Neeson was in this movie until I was at Universal Studios and they had like a movie poster up for Schindler's List. I was like, that can't be Liam Neeson <laughs> in Schindler's List. Uh, yeah. But then, yeah, it was good. I thought he did terrific. Yeah. I thought he was great. Yeah, I thought he was fantastic. And I think Liam Neeson is a really great actor. I just, I don't, he picks dumb movies. Yeah, think, at least at this point in his career. Do you think Harrison Ford could have done better? <laughs> yeah, well, Harrison Ford has that history with hating Nazis, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, Spielberg actually wanted Harrison Ford to play uh, uh, Schindler. Uh, but Harrison Ford turned it down saying that he didn't think that people would be able to look past uh the fact that he's Indiana Jones mm. and, and he didn't want to pull away from the film. Didn't want to pull away from, from Schindler's list. Yeah. Like he, he thought it was an important story and didn't want to detract from that. That really shocks me because Harrison Ford seems like the guy who cares just like not at all about anything he's ever done or been in. Right. Yeah. You know that he would be like, no, I don't want to ruin this. He just like, hates star Wars. He, he hates, well, he hates star Wars. I think he hates Indiana Jones. He hates blade runner. He's doing another uh, Indiana Jones. He, yeah. I think he just wants the money. That's the thing is he's like, <laughs> Oh, like I hate it when people come up to me and recognize me and talk to me about star Wars because I hate it. But you know that you let him, you let it make you super famous and you did it th- four times you know <laughs> like he did another star wars 30 years later after he has to be killed because he didn't want well, to and then again. he was in episode nine too for a little bit yeah it's just nuts to me that he would have that reservation 
Yeah, I, I I totally get what you mean. He seems like a really weird, quirky dude. Yeah. Uh, about stuff like that, but yeah, he he turned it down. Uh, and and honestly, I'm glad he did because I probably wouldn't have been able to look past it. Not just because Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, but because Indiana Jones, to your point, Jake, does fight Nazis. Like that's kind of his thing. If that w- if this would have been like an Indiana Jones origin story, like Harrison Ford plays him, and then at the end, in color, we see his hat, and then he picks it up <laughs> <laughs> instead of yeah. instead of the rose going on uh-huh. the the on Schindler's real grave, it's just the Indiana Jones hat. There would have been run run riots. <laughs> oh my gosh, there would have been riots in the streets if that happened at the end of this. <laughs> would have been hilarious though. <laughs> Steven, Stevie, give me a call. Steve Z, give me a call, man. Steve Z. <laughs> I've got when it. you're looking to remake Schindler's List, Steven, <laughs> <laughs> I know you're really excited about in the Heights, but I've got a really great West crossover. You, or, wait, that's right. West side story. You didn't do it right. Yeah. We're going to have to cast Chris Pratt as Indiana Jones in this. Because <laughs> Chris, Chris Pratt is everything now. Uh, no, yeah, I I thought Liam Neeson was terrific. I thought everyone was terrific. I thought Bing. I forgot Ben Kingsley was in this. Oh yeah. Um, I thought he was great. He was I, my favorite. I thought Ray Fiennes was terrible. Oh, like terrible. How do you say yeah, his name like, again? He says it as Rafe, Rafe, and then his last name is not Fiennes but rather Fiennes. Oh, that's right. I really like the elevator music in the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but when I was watching this, I remember I had the thought of like, because we've talked a bit about uh, like the, I forgot who published this list, but the the worst villains, the worst movie villains of all time. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's like Nurse Ratchet is on there. Right. Who's number one? Is it is it the Wicked Witch of the West or I something? I thought it was like, like Darth that? Vader. Darth, Darth yeah, Vader was number five. Darth- Oh, oh yeah, but no, it's like stuff like that. Someone, and I'm just like, dude, this dude trumps. Like, does he count as a movie villain? Because he's the worst. He's a real life villain. I know. And everyone else, villain. everyone else on the list were fictional characters. Darth Vader's not real. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> that was a long time ago, Scott. Yeah, but the way that space time continuum works is actually in our future, but it's in their past. Then why did why does it say a long, long time ago? Because it's it's easier a long, long for people ago. to understand. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's the it's. It's the time heist. It was a it. long time ago in future us's time. It may be. <laughs> All right. <laughs> maybe because he is a, a real person. Maybe that maybe. Disqualis- disqualifies disqualifies him. Yeah. But it's just like, oh, my gosh. Like this guy. I, I mean, I think Rafe knocked it out of the park. Oh, know? yeah. The uh, one of the scenes that was so emotional and visceral for me. I guess it wasn't a scene. Well, yeah, it's a scene. Um, in particular, that was really visceral, but it was after, uh, after Schindler tries to manipulate drunk Amen mm-hmm. into like, Hey, real power is mercy. Yeah. Which I think is actually true. You know I what thought I mean? That, like, that would be the, the conversation we opened this episode with. Yeah. If we did a real, clip. If, we if we did, did a, a real clip. clip yeah. But uh, we're busy necking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he like tries it several times and then just like fires at the boy's feet and the boy just keeps walking and then fires again. And then we cut to Itzhak walking Yep. and he walks past the boy with just, you know, he's been shot in the head. I was I, like, yeah, he was then uh, like confirmed in his evil. Yeah. That, that same. He tried I had the good same. And now it wasn't good enough. Because I I had kind of forgotten that 
one that Goth is such a developed character. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking like, oh man, is does was Schindler able to get through to him? Like, I don't remember right. this part of the movie. And then he doesn't. Because when you're watching it, you, you kind of feel like he's going to. Yeah, you really think so. And I thought that this movie did a really great job at showing like Goth like like he starts to kind of develop some feelings specifically for his for his uh servant i guess yeah i think her name was lena yeah i think i so. thought that that was one of the i think it was shot extremely well um but one of the harder scenes to watch when he i thought he was gonna rape her um when when you see that he wants to i don't know what he wanted to do to her but like you can tell he has some feelings for her and then he shuts him down and he almost, act, it, it seems like it's implying that he thinks that she manipulated him. Right. Even though she says nothing. And then it's cutting from him beating her to Schindler at what looked like a birthday party or something like yeah, that. Yeah, some, at some bar. Some or celebration like that, or something. Yeah. I thought it was shot extremely well and it was so effective. And I thought that it made Goth even more of a monster. Like I... I, I, I feel weird saying I loved that scene, but I just thought it was such a powerful, effective scene. Oh, yeah. And it really solidified him as just one of the worst villains I've ever seen in a film, you know? Oh, yeah. When uh, So when survivor Mila F uh, Pfefferberg was introduced uh, to Rafe on set, she began shaking uncontrollably because he reminded her too much of the real Eamon Goff. Like, he was, he was just that that yeah awful spielberg also said it's kind of funny this is like a, a another like steven spielberg might be a dick uh he said that he cast ray fines because of his quote uh sinister sexuality mm. huh interesting i guess i can kind of see it though yeah i mean i normally would just think of him as he, he's not that attractive of a person to be yeah. honest with you. I think he is. Really? I think he's a good looking guy. Oh, I, don't. I don't think so. No, really? What you think he's like ugly? I think he looks even better as Thomas Riddle. Yeah. Okay. He, didn't, your he, buddy he, Thomas? Just, he just played Voldemort. He didn't play Tom Riddle. As yeah, the Voldemort version of Thomas Riddle. <laughs> yeah. That Voldemort is pretty sexy. I take it back. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what it is about him. I don't think he's that like uh, attractive or anything like that. Uh, but I mean, he's definitely, uh, he's definitely sinister. That's for mm -hmm. sure. Oh, I'm sorry. The, the words they used were evil sexuality. Interesting. Because of his evil sexuality. Sinister sexuality sounds better. It does yeah. sound better. I will go with my words yeah. over Stevens. Can you like, even though he doesn't look like Voldemort at all, because you know, he's got kind of a big nose and Voldemort's got no nose. Uh, whenever you watch a movie with him, like, I don't know if this is the case with you guys, but I audibly say, Oh, Hey, Voldemort's in this. <laughs> yeah. I don't audibly do it, but I definitely think it. I think you have done it audibly. a couple times. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard you be like, Oh, he's in that. And I'm like, I don't know who Ralph Fiennes is. <laughs> he says it as Rafe, Rafe. <laughs> oh, that's right. Rafe finds. That's what Tyler says to you in the movie theater. <laughs> he says it has. Rafe. Rafe. And then you're like, oh, Voldemort. Oh, Voldemort's in this. Yeah. Uh yeah, he he was he was incredible. Uh before we uh wrap this thing up, the the last thing that I think really needs to be commented on about this movie is the ending. Uh, when the real survivors uh, 
paired with uh, if if they're uh, if they were actually portrayed in the movie uh, with their actor counterpart, counterpart yeah. uh, go and visit the actual grave. I think it's like the most visceral reminder that you can get that this was so recent. Uh, you know, where like it's easy because like, oh, you know, you see stuff in black and white or whatever. You're like, oh, that happened a long time ago. But like in the early 90s, there were that many people that experienced it. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a really great point um, that I hadn't really put that together. But yeah, that's where like because like, you know, you know it. But then it kind of hit me. I was like, oh, my gosh, they're still alive. Yeah, that's because see, I've I've been to like. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, see, Jake, you have meaningful things to add to this movie. I didn't think I would. (laughs) (laughs) You do. Jake, you add meaning to all of us. Thank you. And this podcast. I appreciate that. It's much better than what I usually get from you guys (laughs) on this podcast. Well, you know, it's the last episode of season two. Yeah, that's true. So we got to. It's, it's funny though, Jake, the, I, you know, I've been to, I've been to like all over the world holocaust museums Uh um and i often like i always leave feeling the weight of it but i don't always leave feeling the recency of it because it is something it's a museum and so like we attach that with age Uh like in our heads but you're absolutely right that's that's exactly the feeling that that i take that i took away from that scene but i didn't have words for it it hit me immediately oh my gosh that's nuts yeah yeah, the the staggering amount to they they put it on the screen and I don't have the exact figure, so I'm not going to guess at it because that seems inappropriate to guess at. But the 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 number of people that not only he saved, but are the descendants. Of, I believe it was six thousand. Yeah, I think it. I believe that it just blew me away that so many people are alive today as a, as a direct result of one man's Which decisions. Which I thought was an awesome contrast to the ending scene where he's right. saying one more person. Yeah. One more person. And he feels like he didn't do enough. Yeah. You know, and then you see like, look at what you did, you know? So as of 2012, there are over 8,500 descendants of wow. Schindler's wow. Jews. Wow. Wow. Hmm. That's unreal. Yeah. Or Schindler Juden. Schindler Juden. Yeah. There's a whole Schindler Juden article on Wikipedia. Yeah. That's their their official. Yeah. What they what they've been referred to historically. Um, but yeah, man, what a what a powerful powerful story. Obviously, thank God it's a true story, right? And yeah. thank God it's such a beautiful true story. Like through such a dark time, I think that's one of the cool things that uh, you know that this does and that we had the opportunity to experience. And once again, if you haven't seen this movie and you made it an hour and six minutes in, you definitely need to watch the movie. Um, but it's such a beautiful candle in an otherwise very dark story mm-hmm. and yeah. a dark time in history. Um, and, but it's a very bright candle. Uh-huh. So very cool. Well, uh, what do you guys say? We bring season two to a close. Yeah, let's do it. I like ending on a bummer. Are we going to do it every year now? Yeah. Scott, next well, year. You can't end on, I don't know. I guess this ended hopeful, but like you can't end on anything that that's, that's worse than this. Can you? 
the, I don't the know. pianist. The pianist, yeah. yeah. Never seen it. Oh, yeah. I guess that's one other thing that we didn't mention. Uh, that Spielberg, to oh, your yeah. point, Jake, about like how recent this is, Spielberg had shopped this around to a bunch of directors. Everyone turned it down. Um, Martin Scorsese turned it down because he said he thought a Jewish director should handle it. Um, but Roman Polanski, he actually brought it to Roman uh, first. And Roman turned it down because he was actually in the Krakow ghetto. And during that scene, the red coat scene, the liquidation, when they moved them all to prison camps, he was actually, he was one of the kids that escaped. That's Mm. nuts. Uh, And like Steven Spielberg had no idea and like profusely and repeatedly apologized. Like, I'm so sorry. But like, this was actually a story that touched Roman Polanski's life. Uh, and his mom later was, was murdered in, in Auschwitz. Like his parents didn't escape, but he did. Uh, Uh, but it's just, it's crazy. Like how, like, yeah, how very recent this was. All right. Let's, uh, we're going to, uh, spin up the servers, spin up the servers. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and not add a unit under this one. I'm just going to give it a a, a nine out of 10. Nine. I'm right. I'm glad you didn't attach. I I was thinking that it was just like I I let's not do that. Good call, Jake. Tyler. Uh, I'm gonna give this a a nine point four. Uh, I'm giving it a nine point two. Zach. I'm giving it a ten. Wow. Wow. I don't. I'm kind of shocked it didn't get any other tens. Now I feel. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to change. I've already I, established I don't give perfect scores, so I don't feel anything. But this if is etched, any movie to give a ten. What? Not this, this is one? etched in stone. You can't change it. Sorry. No, you know. Here's the thing. To be honest with you, I actually think that dialogue could have been done better. Really? Yeah. Um, I think that this, even though Sorkin came in, we didn't talk about that. Yeah, Sorkin. Sorkin's uncredited uh, for a punch up on the dialogue, uh, and in in quotes, uh, a dialogue wash. <laughs> so yeah. I guess it's not really a punch up punch up would be adding comedy. Um, but, a, a dialogue wash, I, I still think the dialogue could have been done better. Hmm. Um, I think that, uh, the, I think that the score was probably too understated to be honest, watching hmm. it again last night. Uh, and I think that, um, I thought the cinematography was great. Um, but I could still see it being done. I, I think I, I think coming off the heels of Jurassic Park, where the cinematography is so iconic, I felt like this cinematography was good, but and and maybe appropriate, but like still, I don't know. I, I think it could have been done better. Hmm. So what does that get us? Uh, that brings us to a ninety-four percent. Tyler, you nailed potatoes. it. Uh, it's coming in at the number three spot. He pushed himself out of the number five spot. So a few good men dropped out of the top five. Uh, he, would, he did not direct a few good men. Uh, no, I'm talking about Tyler you. pushed himself. Oh, I'm sorry. I was like, that was Rob Reiner. You, you pushed yourself out of the top five. Uh, uh, so we still have Inglorious sitting in the one spot with uh, Jake's pick. And then take it. Uh, we have Tyler at No Country for Old Men, Tyler at Schindler, me uh, for Moneyball, and then Tyler with Spotlight. Jeez, Tyler just dominating that top five. He also has then the next two, A Few Good Men and Django, and then Zach's finally there in the eighth spot with Zodiac. Step it up. Me? Yeah. 
You're talking about his number eight? I've I've said multiple times on this movie that I think I've picked the most movies I've never seen. Okay. Like I don't I don't really go with like safer picks. All right. Why? Well, and does. you guys have picked a lot of my <laughs> personal favorite movies. Jake tries to go with safer picks, then we tear them apart. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I go with universally lauded movies, <laughs> um, like Blood Diamond. All that being said, Spirited, <laughs> Spirited Away. Yeah. Everybody loves Spirited Away, Scott. <laughs> we went to oh, a movie theater that was having a Miyazaki fest. Wait, we forgot to ask. Oh, was this, was this better than Spirited Away? That's tough. Most definitely, it's a hundred percent. Yeah, it's, really? 100%. 100%. Yeah, it's, it's way better than Spirited Away. <laughs> yeah. uh, one thing, speaking of that movie theater. Uh, that oh. we saw Miyazaki Fest at. Uh, I have some serious issues with uh, 1JP. That's and right. Maybe I'll let Tyler tell the story. Yeah, so uh, me, Zach, Jake, and their significant others all went to go see uh, Dune. And 10 minutes into the movie, someone, <laughs> we're in lo- those like big comfy seats, and so there's like a wall behind us. And someone reaches over the wall like says hi to Zach and I'm like, Oh, whatever. We're in Zach's hometown. And then they grab me by the shoulders and I just hear, uh, I'm John Paul. Nice to meet you and walks away. And I was like, Oh, well that was weird. Uh, But like, I'm a little confused. And Zach leans over and says that was JP. And I thought, well, that's funny that he's in this theater And then when the movie's out, I'm excited to go meet JP for the first time. And uh, he's nowhere to be found because he bought a movie ticket, said hi and left. Said hi to one of us. Two. He said hi to Zach. That's true. I just, I can't believe that he spent $20 to snub me. I'm team Scott on JP. (laughs) You blew it. I'm so glad I wasn't even there. So a little bit of context, uh, uh, like a week prior. So he asked, cause I'm, I'm in a separate like friend group chat that he's a part of. Um, You have other friends. Yeah. Unacceptable. It's me, JP. um, My buddy, Thomas Riddle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I forgot that I forgot that we yeah, both know we him. That, oh yeah, I'm in that group too. Yeah. You guys know him separately, like you, you yeah. know Tom, correct? He yeah, knows Tom. But JP introduced me to Thomas. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. He would know, know Voldemort. And then I tried to get Danny in, but he, he, you know, he still doesn't like you guys. No, he doesn't <laughs> like me. Um, but Steve Z's in it. Oh, you know, so I gave him a shout out, like, hey, we're doing Schindler's, we're doing SL, so you know, be sure to check that out. Um, but anyways, JP was like, is anyone seen Dune? And I was like, oh, I'm already seen it with, uh, with some buddies. Uh, my friends from the podcast actually said, oh, where? <laughs> I'm like, uh, in Irvine. He's like, okay, which one? Which theater? <laughs> I was like, all right, this is the one. He's like, yeah, I'm getting tickets. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, you're going to meet some of them. He was really bummed you weren't there, Scott. I know. He really wanted to meet I'm you. I'm sure he was. Yeah. I'm and so, so glad I, I went there. into the And he said, don't tell your friends. I was like, okay, I won't tell them. And, uh, and he said, act surprised. Like, don't he, act like you don't even know that I'm going to be there. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then he shows up. And I'm like, yeah, there he is. But I didn't know he was going to leave. <laughs> and he had originally planned to stay and watch the movie. But then apparently he had to take his like dad's dog to the vet or something like that. And so instead of just returning the ticket and getting a refund, he just decided I'm going to keep the ticket, come by, say hi, 10 minutes in the movie, and then leave and go see it the next day. Oh my gosh. So he spent $40 on Doom. Which is the most on-brand JP thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I, I will say, JP, it was very lovely to meet you. And uh, you're glad to I, Jake. Glad I didn't. Hope I never do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Like a weak <laughs> high five, but there's a chandelier right above us. Sorry. <laughs> you got a high five and a fist bump this episode. Yeah. yeah. It's Jake. a busy episode for me. This is a good episode for you, Jake. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Zach just uh, too slow. To Zach him. got me. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> Scott's dead. <laughs> Scott's hurting himself on the little trailer table. That really got Scott. All right. Well, hey, uh, thank you guys so much for another great season of RP. We will be back next year uh, in February. And keep a lookout for some very special content in the off season. That's right. We are going to have some off season con- bonus content for uh, for our tots. Very excited. Very excited. Very you, nervous. You guys have been awesome, and uh, we. <laughs> (laughs) couldn't do this without you Scott's still physically hurting do us a favor and uh in in the in the off season share this podcast with your friends and uh write a review on apple Podcasts because we got a one-star review shout out to jg074 yeah for saying that jake is cool and the rest of the podcast sucks yeah so thanks for that we don't know who you are i'd like to think it was jp but, uh, I like to think that it was just some butthurt uh, Miyazaki fan. It was probably Clint. It probably was. You got, who's he, that? Clint Eastwood? Clint Eastwood. Oh, probably, Clint. He was like, oh, they didn't like the good, the bad, and the ugly? <laughs> I'm out. Could have been. <laughs> All right. Well, Jake. Uh, I don't think Clint knows how to use a, a computer. <laughs> Social media. Yeah. Jake, uh, do you want to have honors of uh, taking us out of here for the last time this season? Yeah, you know what? Jake...